Well, hello, everyone. It's JB with Not By Works Ministries. It is Friday, February the 24th, and it is the end of the day and the end of a very busy week. I sure appreciate all of your prayers and the emails and encouragement that we've received this week as we've been on the road in Florida. We actually are still uh, on the road for conferences, but I popped back in today to Colorado so that I could uh, preach at our home church, Plum Creek Chapel, on Sunday. Really looking forward to the message the Lord has put on my heart there from Acts chapter 23, uh, looking at verses 11 to 22. A really neat uh, passage that was encouraging to me. I put together an outline uh, late last week as we were headed out uh, on the road to, to Florida. And then uh, this week, after I finished with the conference and uh, a lot of time today uh, in layovers at the airport and on the plane, I actually kind of created my uh, PowerPoint. But it's it's just a really special passage that we're going to look at uh, Sunday. I hope you'll tune in for the live stream at uh, about 1015 Mountain Time Sunday morning, or you can watch the video after it's done. But uh, uh, we're going to be looking at, again, Acts 23. And there's a really neat verse there in verse 11, where the Lord appears to Paul, and the Bible says he stood by him and said to Paul, be of good cheer. And he kind of gives Paul uh, a promise. And I'm calling the message Sunday when the odds are stacked against us, because poor Paul, I mean, it just seems like he's out of the frying pan into the fire ever since he got to Jerusalem on this uh, this journey that we've been talking about. So that's coming up Sunday. Uh, but uh, we've got our friend Randy uh, with us now. He's going to be joining us in just a moment. I wanted to just once again, uh, ask for your prayers during this very busy time. Uh, my family and I, again, on the road in Florida, had a fantastic conference at Liberty Baptist in Claremont. I know many of you were able to live stream that. If you've not had a chance yet, you can go back and watch all seven videos are posted at notbyworks.org under the videos tab. Or, of course, you can listen to the audio-only podcast version of those. Um, the first six were sessions that I did, and then the seventh was a Q&A. Uh, it's a little bit different because I'm repeating the questions of audience members, and we had about an hour and a half of Q&A, but it was still very instructive and very encouraging. I hope you'll take the time to watch those. And then, uh, again, this weekend is Plum Creek Chapel. Next Tuesday, Lord willing, I'll be back in the pulpit at Plum Creek for Prophecy Night. I know the last two Prophecy Nights we've had to do video only because of, uh, in one case, inclement weather, and then this past week because I was on the road. But Lord willing, barring any unforeseen uh, circumstances, I'll be back live in person Tuesday night, um, February the 28th, for Session 5 in our series on The Time Is Now, Why Bible Prophecy Matters Now More Than Ever. And then I hop on a plane again Wednesday morning to head back to Florida for the Orlando Prophecy Conference, the Prophecy Summit. And I'll be speaking twice there on Friday. Really looking forward uh, to my time there and uh, pray for me as I, uh, you know, work on uh, finishing up uh, those two messages um, uh, that the Lord has put on my heart. One of them is called the Totalitarian Tiptoe, the Luciferian Plan for Global Control. And then my second one is Bloodlust, 
exposing the Luciferian depopulation agenda. Both of those topics are not going to be new to our longtime Not By Works listeners. I've certainly talked a lot about them in my two recent books, uh, Spirit of the Antichrist, and I've also touched on them in some of my other prophecy messages, uh, but going to be organizing them and structuring them in kind of a new way and, and putting together the information in a different way for those conferences. So just a quick verse before I bring Randy on. Uh, you know, again, I, I my head is spinning. It's just been a crazy busy week with different uh, interviews and messages and dealing with uh, things at Plum Creek Chapel. Uh, you know, uh, just praying for strength and grace to to kind of be keep all the balls in the air, as they as they say, proverbially speaking. But uh, in in Jeremiah chapter 30, Jeremiah, of course, the weeping prophet, uh, post-exilic prophet, trying to encourage the nation of Israel and Judah that someday they would get the kingdom as promised, that God had not for, has not forsaken them, that the kingdom is coming, and so much rich material in that lengthy book of the Bible, Jeremiah. But you get to Jeremiah chapter 30, and we see uh, the word of the Lord coming to Jeremiah uh, from the Lord, saying, Thus speaks the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write in a book for yourself all the words that I have spoken to you. For behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. That phrase, uh, for behold, the days are coming, is uh, something that Jeremiah says uh, multiple times in this in his prophecy, because he's looking ahead uh, to the eschatological age, the end times, when all of Israel's kingdom prophecies will come to fulfillment, when Christ, the King of Kings, comes back and takes the throne. But another uh, passage that uh, you know kind of really stuck out to me in this same chapter, Jeremiah 30, is verses 16 and 17, when he says, Therefore all those who devour you shall be devoured, and all your adversaries, every one of them, shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you shall become plunder, and all who prey upon you I will make prey, for I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast, saying, this is Zion. No one seeks her. And that's what Israel's enemies have done uh, for centuries, indeed millennia. They have uh, looked down upon the Jews and the Jewish people, claiming no one seeks her, but when in reality the Jewish people are God's chosen nation, the apple of his eye, and also their king is the savior of the world, and salvation is indeed of the Jews. And so, boy, I don't know about you, Randy, but I look forward to that day when all of God's enemies, Israel's enemies, and enemies of the church, and enemies of all that is good and holy and perfect will be judged and will uh, get what is coming to them. And, you know, we live in a day when there's so much going on in the world, and yet it seems like within the church, the church is just distracted by so many petty things, and, and people uh, have either completely abandoned the authority of God's Word and become social clubs and have no interest in Bible prophecy or sound Bible teaching, or even in churches that do teach Bible doctrine. It seems like the devil tries to get in and cause people to to just nitpick and criticize and, and be uh, distracted again from the main thing. And so I covet your prayers uh, for Plum Creek Chapel as we continue to uh, 
to sound the alarm, to preach the word, to preach the gospel clearly, accurately, and urgently. Uh, this weekend on Sunday, February the 26th, we are launching two services. Uh, one church with two services because we just don't have the room uh, for everybody. And uh, so we're going to have an 8.30 early service, which you encourage everyone to come out to. And then we'll preach the same message again at a uh, duplicate service at 10 o'clock. And that's simply a factor of space. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, Randy, but I don't believe in turning people away. And when we had four cars show up a couple of weeks ago, couldn't even find a parking spot and would have driven off if we hadn't run out the front door and, and helped fi them find a space at a restaurant down the street. To me, that's unacceptable. And so we want to uh, make room for these souls. Every soul that comes through the doors at Plum Creek Chapel is important to us, and we want to make room for everybody to hear the Word of God. And so uh, for now, what we decided to do is uh, have two services. It's actually been something we've been working on and praying about and planning for six months, and uh, our board unanimously decided to move forward uh, with it. And looking forward to Sunday, I, I'll preach the same message twice, which is a little bit of a challenge, but uh, we'll only be live streaming the second service like we usually do, the main service. Um, but pray that the Lord just gives me the, the strength and the grace to be able to, uh, you know, clearly think through the message and have the same energy and passion and uh, spiritual vigor uh, to preach the same message twice. Because I put a lot of time and, and prayer and energy into these uh, messages, really, you know, preach them to myself before I preach to the body and, and, and own them. And, and, and the Lord encourages me through the study of His Word. And so then when I get up to speak, it, it kind of like I leave it all out there, and 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 hopefully the Lord uses it. Uh, and to do that twice is, is difficult. I've had occasions over 35 years of ministry where we've had uh, multiple services at different churches where we've served, and it, it's always a bit of a challenge, but one that I'm happy to take on uh, so that we can have uh, room for more people. So uh, lots going on in the world. I, I've, I've been kind of keeping up with it over the last week while I've been on the road, and uh, I'm glad to have Randy back on today for our uh, world events update. And Randy, I know your notebook is full of things uh, that are happening. So welcome back to the program, and uh, I'll yield the microphone to you now as you kind of tell us some of the things that are going on. Well, thank you. But first, I'd like to add that I guess this would be selfish on my part, but I'm glad you have two services because it's much easier for the people that travel to get there at 10 o'clock than it is to get there at 9 o'clock. With a two-and-a-half-hour drive, I'll actually get to sleep past 6 o'clock in the morning, and I, I really do appreciate that. So with that being said, we hope that it's very popular and the church continues to grow. Amen. I remember when I first started going there, it wasn't a very large church at all. And now it's kind of like busting at the seams, and that's a reflection of the times we're in and the quality, quality of the ministry that you have provided them. So I'm very happy to be part of that. Well, thank you. It's a very special church. It really is. And and I'm honored to be a part of it. My family's honored to be a part of it. We have a sweet spirit there. Uh, and God's brought some neat people there over the last three years. And uh, anybody in the Denver metro area, you owe it to yourself to come out to Plum Creek Chapel. Either come on Tuesday nights at Prophecy Night or uh, come on Sundays uh, for worship. And I, and I know you'll see what we're talking about. So back to you, Randy. Okay, well, let's see with our poly crises that are available in this world. I think we'll start with Russia because that is a simple one for right now. Um, Ukrainian military deaths are up to 200,000 to 300,000. They're losing approximately 1,000 people. 
soldiers today. The Russians have lost in excess of 60,000, so the battle continues. We all wait for the big breakout that Russia is going to be making because the troops are massed, everything is ready. But I think we figured out today what they were waiting for. Russia, about a week ago, made a proposal to Zelensky that, hey, you know, let's try to negotiate this. Well, he was turned down and absolutely no interest in that whatsoever. And now China thought they wanted to be the diplomat of the world, and they made their proposal, which was also turned down flat, no interest whatsoever. Now, that gives both the Russians and the Chinese the opportunity to say, hey, we did everything we could, so we're going to proceed like we have to to protect our interests. So I think Russia will probably be uh, making quick work out of getting the battle going quickly. Uh, as I look over the battlefield and everything that's taking place, there's some things that have changed. The Russians are totally in place. Uh, they've been dribbling in, but they're there. They are ready for the battle. Uh, they're continually receiving supplies from North Korea and from Iran. Uh, they just received a new supply of drones and uh, missiles. So they have everything they could possibly, possibly need. Um, Russia and Iran are becoming very close, have a very close partnership. And I believe we're going to see that grow even more with probably Turkey going over to that side, as we've mentioned before, very shortly. Um, in Moldova, we have talked about this several times, about them being next on the Russian hit list. Uh, Russia's actually come out this week and kind of in a uh, roundabout way threatened them that they're going to move into Transnistria and they're going to bring them back into the Russian fold. And they make it sound like it could be sooner rather than later. Now, the problem with Moldova, like we said last week, they're not a member, member of NATO. They're by themselves. But I found out this week that they have an ammo dump. Transnistria does. It's two miles from the Moldavian border. It contains 20,000 pounds of ammunition. Now, this would be a lot for the Ukraine because they're running out of weapons, they're running out of ammunition. And so it wouldn't be a surprise if Ukraine tried to make a move on them first. Ukraine also is planning on attacking Crimea. They've got troops in that area, and Russia said, you attack Crimea, it's over. In other words, they're going to use every means possible to take care of that attack. So I think in the next week or two, we're going to see some um, some action there, which is not going to be good for the rest of the world. So did you uh, say, Randy, did you say that Ukraine might actually go into Moldova first, or did I misunderstand? No, that is correct, because all of the weaponry stored there is old weaponry that they could use in their vehicles, on their airplanes, and with the weapons they currently have. The only thing they'd have to do was step in there. There are about 1,500 to 2,000 Russian troops there, overcome them, take it all. So Moldova is a is an ally of Russia at this point, right? Moldova is trying to kind of stay neutral. But the problem okay. is the Russians are threatening them. They're getting very nervous. The Ukraine, they're worried about them because Ukraine and Romania are really pretty close to it. So Moldova right now is going, 
We don't know what's going to happen, but we think we're going to be next in the attack, and I'm pretty sure they're probably going to be. Now, the Russians have all of their missiles on standby, ready to use, and we've talked before, and I don't know if anybody remembers this, but Russia has what is called the dead hand. The dead hand is a missile that contains communications equipment that basically, if the military and the political party of Russia was knocked out in a nuclear strike or something like that, this missile will launch by itself, and it will trigger the response, a full response of every missile in the Russian military. Hmm. So if that happens, this the war would go from huge to worse because nobody knows where all the missiles are pointed at. We just know that they're all controlled by the dead hand. So we're kind of hoping they don't launch that. If they do, well, then everybody's got about 30 minutes left. So we're hoping that doesn't happen. Um, the I think we all remember the nuclear power plant in Zaporizhia that uh, was first controlled by the Ukrainians and the Russians. Unfortunately, now somebody is draining the water going to that nuclear plant. And if it goes another three feet less, that will reach a critical stage in that uh, that nuclear uh, power plant will be another Chernobyl. So they're trying to get people in there to stop it. Uh, the Ukrainians blame the Russians. The Russians blame the Ukrainians. What they're going to do is create a mess that they haven't seen since, you know, Chernobyl, which was quite a while ago. And speaking of Chernobyl, I mean, I, are you going to update us on any intel that you have related to the Ohio uh, East Palestine disasters? Okay. Yes, right. we have all kinds of goodies for that. Anyway, the uh, Russians are also accusing the Ukrainians of probably starting a false flag with a uh, dirty bomb. Now, they've been saying that for weeks. It never happens. Um, but supposedly the Russians are saying they're going to use that nuclear reactor or the dirty ball. Hmm. So, you know, all of this is going back and forth. It gets a little coverage, then it disappears. So I don't know if it's factual or not, but with the water line to the reactor going down that far, it could be to a critical stage in a matter of hours, in which case that would make a turn on the war that people would find hard to believe. Hmm. Now, supposedly the Russians made a cyber attack against Dole Industries. You know, your dull pineapple, your fruits, and everything else. And they created a lot of damage there. And they can't prove that it was the Russians yet, but supposedly they are the ones behind it. And it just goes to show you that the Russians are very, very serious about a cyber attack and probably planning it out, seeing how effective they are. And I would imagine that um, we'll see much more of that in the next couple of weeks. Russia also said that they are going to resume uh, nuclear testing. Um, that'll be sometime in the next month, they thought. And what they want to do, they have a peninsula that is at the very northern edge of Russia. They want to ignite the first nuclear test there. This was the place where the Tsar Bomba was exploded many, many years ago. And that was the largest nuclear explosion that's ever occurred on Earth. And it was a 50 megaton bomb. And supposedly the Russians have even bigger weapons than that right now. So there's all kinds of things that are just waiting to happen. 
I would say it probably will be much longer. We're going to get all the action we want. In the United Kingdom, the United Kingdom is going to set off an emergency action message sometime in the next week or two. Now, instead of getting the tones like we do and saying that this is a, only um, a practice mode or a test of the emergency broadcast system, the United Kingdom is going to say, basically, right at the front, that this is a test, but this is a test. World War III has started. Nuclear missiles have been launched and impact is anticipated in three minutes. Now, I don't know about you, but I hope everybody catches that first part of it where they say it's a test. Why any government would ever do that unless they want to install panic makes no no sense to me at all. I mean, if you want to see people going wild, they'll be running out of their houses, they'll be driving where, yeah. So we hope if our government ever makes a test like that, they do it in the correct way. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, it's all about fear. So... You know, there, there's no logical reason to do a test like that. They don't have to use those exact words, given that it's just a test. The main thing is to see that the message gets out to all the destinations and all the devices and so forth. So the only logical reason they would word it in such a way as that is to invoke fear. And fear, we know, is a huge weapon in the arsenal of the Luciferians. They they motivate by fear. So, I mean, that's my best guess. Yes, I think that's right on point because it makes no sense to do something like that. I mean, if they did that at eight o'clock at night when you're watching TV, you wouldn't catch the first part of the message. Mm -hmm. You'd hear the missiles have been launched, and I can't imagine the terror and panic would occur right after that. Now, Russia is becoming buddy-buddy with Iran. They are getting along very well. Latest news is that Russia is going to start shipping them aircraft, uh, additional missiles that they can use against Israel. Um, Iran, over the last week, has been found out that they are enriching uranium to 84% instead of the 60 that they lied to the uh, inspectors about. And that means that they are 6% away from having enough fissile material to make multiple bombs. Mm. Now... If the testing, remote testing, shows 84%, they're probably already there. The scuttlebutt is they've already got two to four nuclear bombs. They're trying to load them on the missiles. And from the exercises that are taking place between the United States and Israel, I think we can anticipate an attack against Iran really shortly. Uh, they've had three major tests in the last month, and it shows that... Uh, Israel's getting nervous because they said they would not permit a nuclear weapon to be in the hands of Iran. Well, if they're at 84%, they're not very far away from having it. The biggest problem is how much support will Russia give Iran? I mean, they're, they're allies now because Iran is manufacturing the drones and the missiles for Russia. If Russia in turn is you know supplying them with aircraft and uh, anti-aircraft batteries, you know that um, it's going to be a real problem for Israel, and Israel is getting very nervous. Yeah, so a couple of quick comments on that. You mentioned drones. I saw an article today in Popular Mechanics that says the Air Force's drones can now recognize faces, which is, you know, all part of this AI technology and, you know, being able to, uh, uh, you know, to, to – 
attract people and so forth. Um, my next book that I'm working on, I'm going to be talking more about that. But uh, and by the way, another another sort of side note here, uh, Venezuela uh, is now, and this is from an article on vice.com, using fake AI American newscasters to spread disinformation. We talked about this just recently, you and I, Randy, about how, you know, there's it would be so easy for them with the technology now to create fake videos with fake people, with fake voices that look real. You will not be able to tell it's not human. And now they're using that down in Venezuela to spread misinformation. But uh, back to the, you know, Iran, uh, the uh, Iran and Israel situation. So you think it's conceivable that Israel might uh, have to launch preemptively uh, against Iran? Well, if that happens, I mean, yeah, if that happens, there's no telling what, what could ensue, because obviously America is going to support Israel, as we should. Uh, Russia is going to support Iran. We know that's the case. Uh, and that could be the very thing that, uh, you know, hurdles us into uh, World War Three, And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of as tensions mount. I mean, I was just doing some spot checking in preparation for our podcast uh, uh, just a couple hours ago. And, you know, all the mainstream media, they're all talking about how tensions are rising, you know, everywhere you look, Iran, uh, Russia, Ukraine, the United States, uh, China. I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's like they're telegraphing what's about to come. Well, we have never seen a situation like this in my lifetime. I mean, we have so many hot spots. It's where, where are you going to start? What are you going to address first? Now, if I was the Iranians and I was worried about it, I would get the Russians involved in Ukraine and start to really mobilize and move things around. That's going to take our attention away from Israel, at least temporarily. That would, um, free up the Iranians and the Israelis without the Americans. But, you know, who knows the timing? I'm sure North Korea, Iran, China, and Russia are all holding meetings coordinating this because Xi Jinping is going to Russia here in the next few days. He could already be there. And if we remember the last time that he and Putin got together was at the Olympics and the invasion of Ukraine started soon after that. Yeah, when those two gentlemen get together. That's not good news for the world. But yeah, and then there's you know I just was looking it up as I was talking about it. Here's CNN main page top top level Chinese fighter jets warning to U.S. Navy plane in South China Sea. So you have this you know U.S. and and China kind of saber rattling going on over there in the South China Sea. So yeah, really interesting. Well, usually the Chinese send up seven to 11 aircraft, maybe four ships around Taiwan. But yesterday they sent 30. Now, when they make that great of an increase, you have to wonder if they're thinking about someday they're going to put a bunch of aircraft and ships up there, look like a training exercise. All of a sudden they're going to move in on Taiwan. I mean, anything is possible. There are so many different hotspots. And the United States having 750 military bases, you know that we are spread thin. And I don't know what we're going to do as far as a response. You can send a carrier, big deal. That's not going to do anything. But the one thing that really concerned me on the news yesterday, and this is from multiple sources, ISIS is back in town. 
They have sworn to kill every Christian that they can get a hold of. And there are supposedly 25 ISIS hit squads in the United States. Now, we've been talking about terrorism on our soil for quite a while. If they've got 25 hit squads, I don't know how many people are in a squad, but that doesn't include Al-Qaeda and everybody else. I mean, we have the white supremacists, we have Antifa, we have you name it. So we could very possibly get a mess going in this country that'll totally divert our attention away from the Middle East or from the Ukraine. It's very possible. So the world doesn't get any better or less complicated um, especially with the nuclear testing resuming. Uh, our North Korean friends seem to shoot off a bunch of missiles every day. So, you know, it's a matter of time until they all hit. And I think with Mr. Um, our North Korean friend bringing his daughter out into the public, he's pretty much telling the world that she is going to be his successor, not his sister, but his daughter. Now, his sister may take over on some of the stuff, but they want to keep it in the family. So his daughter's coming up. She's young, but they will teach her. And it makes you wonder, okay, now, is he planning on starting a war and maybe dying? Is he sick? It's hard to say, but he's never brought his children out into the forefront of the military parades and stuff like that, but he's doing it multiple times a week now. So, when you stop and look at him, you got to wonder what's going on. What is his plan? Because he's telegraphing who his successor is. Mm. Now, as far as China, they're a problem, like they always are. Um, big concern the other day is when they cut the um, cables to uh, Malaysia. Now, these cables are buried at 3,000 feet. They're saying that, oh, it was just one of the ship's anchors that caught these and damaged them. Now, a ship's anchor is two to two and a half times the length of a ship. So if you got a 300-foot ship, you've got a 600 to 750-foot anchor. That's a long way from 3,000 feet. So obviously, they're either trying to demonstrate that they can access these like the United States did with Nord Stream or they're gradually cutting off the communication to the Taiwan people. And all of a sudden, nobody's going to know what's going on. There'll be no internet. There'll be no communication. And the Chinese are ready to move in. So another thing that we have to watch, because um, there's always a reason for this stuff. And you have to think it is the worst right now with tensions the way they are. Um, <clears throat> China's threatened to start shipping arms to Russia, and I'm thinking they probably already have, to be very honest. Um, Xi Jinping's going there for his little rendezvous, and Russia needs all the weapons they can because of the hostilities there, so I'm sure there's a lot about it we haven't heard yet. Now, we're sending 200 troops to Taiwan. Now, the, Taiwan, uh, the Chinese have said, you send troops to Taiwan, and that's a red line, we will not let you cross. So I don't know who in Washington considered this a good idea, but obviously the 200 are going to be training in advisory capacity type people. But if we're sending 200, are we sending 2,000 or are we sending 200? Now, a year ago, the scuttlebutt was that there were 16 nukes on Taiwan that were loaded onto missiles and prepared 
in case they were invaded. Now, with 200 troops going in there, are they relieving the people that were there? Or are they going to advise on something else? And those are those are our nukes, right, that you're talking about, that we've given them to yes. defend them? Yeah. Yes. Now, we know that the Chinese can intervene and corrupt the launch codes if we try to launch missiles. I don't know if that's been corrected, but ever since the balloon came across the um, horizon, they have made that well known that, you know, we tried to launch a balloon and they, or a nuclear weapon, they may just stop it right there, which kind of takes away any detriment we have with our triad, that's for sure. Now, food storage and our train wrecks. I did a lot of research on this. Last year, there were 1,704 train derailments in the United States. So this, this is not a rarity by any means. But there's a few things with this that are a little strange. Um, as we talked last week, when you have the chemicals involved that they did, you never light them on fire. The vinyl chloride turns into dioxin, which we all remember the dioxin in Vietnam, which caused a mess for our uh, servicemen, and they're still suffering from that. There also is ethylene glycol, which is basically your antifreeze. And then we had um, a couple of other things, but they weren't very good at enumerating what they were. Um, the vinyl chloride, as we said, breaks down into phosgene, and it breaks down into hydrochloric acid. As long as you're not in a confined space, if you hit it with a lot of water, it will degrade, and it becomes non-toxic. Now, unfortunately, uh, the dioxin is a different situation. Had they not burnt the vinyl chloride, they wouldn't have had a dioxin problem. They would have been able to clean it up, and basically it would have been a big mess, but there's a mess now. Now, back in 1969, if anybody remembers that far back, the Cayuga River in Ohio started on fire because of all the pollution. It was a big deal at that time. It created a mess, a mess you couldn't believe, and that's why we have the EPA now. That was started immediately after that fire. Now, what's really interesting about the East Palestine fire is the railroad company is Norfolk Southern. Now, doing some research on them, they have the most abysmal repair and safety re record of any railroad in the United States. What's really interesting is that Vanguard um, had 18,322,000 shares. BlackRock had 10,417,000 shares. And State Street Global, which I'm not very very much aware of who they are, had 10 million shares. J.P. Morgan had 8,672,000 shares. Now, Vanguard disposed of 17,000 shares as of December 31st. BlackRock bought 68,000 shares on this railroad. But J.P. Morgan basically got rid of 1,798,000 shares which turned into a profit for them of $453,330,000. Now, you got to kind of stop and think, okay, J.P. Morgan, Vanguard, BlackRock, they're all the big players in the world monetary scene with globalists and everything else. 
So that started me wondering, you know, how are all of these things connected? Because it might be 1,700 derailments. We don't have any of them very often as big as this one was. And we've never seen the pollution from a derailment that we've seen with this. I think everybody remembers the mushroom cloud that occurred. Well, now, a couple of weeks later, we're having all of this stuff that looks like sand and other debris falling out in the adjacent states. Now, I'm reasonably certain that what was ever in that cloud that went up is now got into the atmosphere and is coming back down along with moisture and everything else. Now, I know they're starting to test what that substance is, but they haven't really seen too much, said too much yet. But it just kind of makes you wonder if it works in with all of the other derailments, with all of the food processing plants that have been damaged and destroyed. Um, everybody remembers the fiasco of all the ships that were offshore and, you know, the big supply chain problem. So I went into one of my pieces of software and I looked into the San Francisco, Oakland, Los Angeles area. There are still hundreds of ships around, but the government is telling us, oh, basically that problem is over. Well, with that many ships out in the harbor, not moving for days at a time, it looks to me like that's not a fact. What they're telling us is baloney. So I did a little more research. And then I find out that there are some very large caves, limestone caves, as a matter of fact, Rockford, Illinois, in Kansas City, Missouri, Springfield, Missouri. Uh, and there's some other ones. I don't remember where they're at, but these are huge. This one in, let's see, this one was in Springfield. It is three and a half million square feet. Now, 500 semis go in there a day. There is a train trestle that goes right up to the entrance so that can be unloaded. Well, they're going to increase that by another million square feet this year. Now, we have all these supply problems, but yet 550 semis are unloading food and other materials to one of these limestone caves, and it's unknown how much the other ones are getting. My question is, okay, who's supplying it? Why are they storing it? And why do we say that there is a food crisis at all? Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, let me these places. Yeah, let me chime in here. So this is uh, this is a classic example of it's never about what it's about. And, uh, you know, I don't know that any of us can connect all the dots perfectly on this train derailment. Uh, and by the way, my family and I drove right through kind of the main area where the, the fallout was happening from that. Uh, so I hope we don't get sick. But uh, but there are a lot of uh, corollaries here that should get our attention. You've mentioned uh, several of them, but uh, you know another one. Just yesterday, uh, it was reported, and this is from uh, the Gateway Pundit: uh, five environmentalists flying to Ohio uh, to to help deal with the uh, the you know environmental crisis there. 
died in a plane crash. And I mean, yes. you can't make this stuff up. By the way, they they their plane took off from the Bill and Hillary Clinton you know airport in Little Rock. So I mean, which you know, if you don't if you don't know the history of all of the stuff there, not necessarily that airport, but the Mesa Airport, which is where the Arkansas State Troopers, under the direction of uh, gov- then Governor Clinton, would you know fly drugs in and out, and also uh, you know uh, children for the child sex trade and all of that. Uh, I mean, that's just the kind of stuff that. You know, it defies coincidence, you know, when you've got something being, you know, covered up potentially. And by the way, plane crashes are one of their favorite ways uh, to make things look like an accident. And then, of course, uh, and then this is really bizarre. Again, I'm not necessarily connecting the dots for you, I'm just putting out information. But three months uh, before this crisis in East Palestine, uh, the, uh, the, uh, they launched the government launched a pilot program to respond to emergency situations in which they gave digital IDs for free to residents in East Palestine so that they could report and track their long-term health problems in the event of some type of an environmental uh, disaster, things like difficulty breathing. Well, again, this is classic Luciferian technique of rolling out a test or, you know, a, a an exercise, if you will, prior to, or in many cases at the same time, as some type of real event. So, you know, I don't know yet, and I don't know that we have enough data to know yet whether this was an organic uh, happening that just was a tragedy uh, or whether it was something that was staged or created. But regardless, this situation is far more serious than I think most people uh, are giving, certainly the mainstream media are giving you know credit to. Uh, there have been too many independent reporters. That's the thing I love about the internet, as long as we still have it, is that you've got independent reporters that can go out there and and report, you know, credential, you know, engineers and environmentalists and people that, you know, have, you know, the knowledge and the expertise in the field that can go out and say, uh, this is a problem, folks. Here's the test results. And, and this should be, you know, concerning. So, you know, you got environmentalists dying. What were they trying to, you know, what were they about to expose or who was trying to shut them up? Maybe nobody. Maybe it's a coincidence that these all five died in a plane crash. Uh, you've got this rollout of the free digital IDs and the testing situation um, to some 4,700 uh, Little East Palestine uh, residents three months before the disaster. So, Randy, to me, it it really uh, is concerning. I think there's uh, there's more going on than meets the eye, but I do agree that it's part of a bigger crisis right now that seems to be an intentional uh food shortage creation and as far as those uh caves i've i've you know driven by them i mean i've i've been for example in the ozark mountains to the pensmore mansion at least as close as you can get without being arrested and i've seen some of the openings in the sides of the hills there in missouri uh that you know where they they have big, big semis that drive right into there and there's all kinds of stuff that's going on underground and we know that the elites the luciferian elites have for a long time for decades now have been building massive underground bunkers um for example the bush dynasty has built one down in uh, uh, somewhere in South America. I can't remember exactly where. I want to say Brazil, but it's near one of the largest underground aquifers. Uh, and, and you have to wonder, what do they know that we don't? And what are they preparing for that we don't? Maybe nothing. I mean, maybe if I was a multi-billionaire or trillionaire and I you know, wanted to 
spend some money on an end of the world scenario, I might build an underground bunker. Maybe there's nothing more to it than that. But it just seems like knowing what I know about the Luciferians and and what they're planning and the depopulation agenda, which I talked about just recently in our prophecy night, it seems like they are uh, preparing for something, whether that's environmental, nuclear, uh, who's to say? What do you think? Well, 500 semis a day. Mm -hmm. Now, that has to be one huge complex. The trucker that had delivered a load there stood outside of his truck and filmed some of this going on. And what I'd like to know, is he still alive or where is he? But, you know, as far as the plane crashes go, that goes all the way back to the Franklin Credit Union and the human trafficking. Oh, yeah. In the 70s in Nebraska. That is the modus operandi of the FBI, the CIA. Get rid of them, make it look like a crash, make sure it's severe enough you can't kill what went on. Now, this train in East Palestine supposedly suffered from an overheated axle and brake system, and the engineers had three warnings that it was on fire and 20 miles, and they couldn't or didn't get it stopped. Now, if I've got a train carrying that kind of stuff, and you know they know what's on there, I am not going to travel for 20 miles waiting for it to explode. Then, just a few days later, there was a train derailment in Nebraska. Um, this was out in western Nebraska, and looking into that, it had the same type of problem, overheated axle and a braking system. Now, that is the Burlington Northern Santa Fe line, and it's owned by um, the richest man in Nebraska. And you kind of wonder, is are they all in it together, which obviously I think they are. And... You know, it, it's, I think it's beyond what we can really imagine because we can't see it and put our finger on it. Yeah, I mean, for for me, it's it's like I'd like to be able to say, hey, I won't speculate. Let's let the quote unquote experts, you know, weigh in. But the problem is, we can't trust the experts anymore. I mean, everything right. is controlled. Everything is in you know the hands of those that are pulling the strings, the, the the Luciferians. And you know what experts do exist are bought and paid for. I mean, just look at some of the other reports that we've seen uh, through the years. Uh, so you, you just, I I don't have the confidence that if I just say, you know, hey, let's let the experts, you know, figure this out that we'll get to the truth. Now, I'm not an expert. Obviously, I'm not an engineer. I'm not, I don't have the knowledge about braking systems and so forth. But I, I do have a breadth of knowledge when it comes to history, particularly American history, as it relates to the Luciferian conspiracy to take over the world. And I can tell you, it is nothing, nothing at all for them to kill thousands upon thousands of people in the blink of an eye if that will advance their agenda. Remember, Satan loves death. He's a killer. He's a murderer. And his earthly accomplices, those co-conspirators on earth, are you know willing to do whatever he wants them to do. So it should not surprise us in the least. But yeah, I mean, I had the same thoughts about that braking system. And I, when I read that, you know, that they, they were warnings to me. And again, I'm, I'm speculating here because unfortunately we don't have trustworthy sources that, that can really get to the bottom of it. But to me, 
the reason that the the train people on the train might not have reacted is because it maybe it was something unusual. They, they've never seen something like this before. I mean, you, trains are going, you know, thousands of them every day all across the country, crisscrossing the countries. It seems like it would be fairly unusual for an axle to overheat. Uh, and so maybe they were kind of wondering, they were puzzled. Is this a false alert? Is this, you know, what should we do? And first thing you know, it it it's, it's too late and the train derails. And so, again, I'm speculating, but it also seems like if you were going to sabotage a train, uh, the axle would be a good place to start, just like when you're sabotaging a plane. You know, you sabotage the fuel lines. That's just what they do. So uh, who knows, uh, you know, but it definitely – uh, stinks to high heaven to me. What what's happening there? And the and the reality is, people are dying, but animals are dying. It's it's something that is uh, you know really uh, concerning. So, well, what really concerned me with the whole thing is Mr. Putin, our transportation secretary, decided he'd wait a couple of weeks before he went to the scene. Um, and, you know, knowing the guy, that's and it's not a big surprise, but what is really um, disturbing. He was out walking with his husband, I guess, and he was being interviewed by a female reporter walking around asking him questions. He pretty much deflected those questions and said, I've addressed that dozens of times today, get the information there. But at the very end, he stops, looks at her and says, I want a picture of you. Now, <laughs> I don't know about anybody else, but that would give me the creeps right there. So I think maybe people ought to keep track of her for a while just to make sure she's okay. Because I wouldn't trust our government any further, and I could spit them, to be real honest with you. So, yeah, no, that's exactly right. She got the information. But the only other thing I want to bring up is the bird flu. Now, the avian bird flu we've talked about several times. Uh, it continues to get worse. Now they have people that are actually dying from it. A young girl in Cambodia died from it. And I think it's to the point where it's going to probably metamorphose or go to the last stage where people will start getting it and transmitting it to other people. Uh, if that happens, there is no cure for the bird flu, just like the Marburg virus. And what we're going to have, these have a fatality rate of the Marburg virus, 56 to 88%. If the avian flu is like that, this is going to make COVID look like um, a walk in the park. Yeah. So we have all of these things coming to fruition, sometimes slower than we think that they'll get together and something will happen. But there's no doubt in my mind, we are at the cusp of this world changing forever, shortly. Yeah, we've and we've been there for a while. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's it's we've definitely entered the end game. Uh, you know, I get emails all the time. I know you do too, from people saying, "Hey, what's is you know something going to happen this week? Should I go on vacation? Should I do this? Should I do that?" My advice to people is to uh, continue to to function and live out life uh, as you uh, you know as you would and. Keep going through the motions, serving the Lord, raising your children, making a living, uh, trying to make do some good in this world, serving the Lord. Um, but 
Uh, at the same time, be aware that these are unprecedented times, and we know the bad guys. We know what their agenda is. We know what their goals are, what their timetable is. We, they've telegraphed it. And so be ready. We should never be scared, but we should be prepared. That's the biblical mandate, that the wise man sees trouble coming and prepares for it, Proverbs 22.3. So all of these uh, world event updates that we give uh, each week uh, are simply basically passing on information, providing our uh, studied analysis of it as best we know, but, you know, we're not perfect. Obviously, we don't have any, you know, inside scoop necessarily, but uh, we do have, you especially have a lot of sources, Randy. But yeah, I just want to encourage folks to, you know, to be ready. And uh, uh, I hope that the Lord will uh, will rescue us before uh, we have to endure some of these things like the downfall of America, but we're not entitled to that. And if the Lord tarries his coming, uh, which he may do, we may see things get much worse uh, before uh, the, the rise of the Antichrist and the start of the tribulation. We know that he will rescue us before the tribulation. That's biblically uh, proven, but uh, even though a lot of people disagree about that, and I don't mean to be flippant about that, but I, I really don't have much patience anymore for folks who, you know, reject the pre-tribulational rapture. Uh, you know, I think time is of the essence. We don't need to spend our time, uh, you know, proving that point theologically, which we've done in a variety of contexts already, books and DVDs. So uh, respect those who may disagree. I just think they're wrong. Uh, so I think we know the Bible says we're going to be rescued before the great day of the Lord's wrath, the seven-year tribulation. But beyond that, I think we need to be ready. And um, so any closing thoughts, uh, Randy? Well, one thing that I almost forgot, um, it's circulating again that Mr. Biden is going to sign a treaty with who? The World Health Organization, as far as giving up our sovereign rights in case there's a pandemic. Um, a bunch of countries decided they would like the World Health Organization to be responsible for the response, distribution of medications and stuff like that. Now, a treaty has to be ratified by Congress, and I know none of us trust them any further than we can see them. But all that's happening right now is they have it in their first draft. So it's got a long ways before it ever gets to be law. But if you have a contact with your congressperson, I think I would voice my opinion and my uh, doubts about that as soon as you can, because um, Biden's dead set on running again. And we don't want him doing anything too stupid and um, so we need to head it off when we know what's coming. Yeah, for sure. And of course, you know, you know, my view is that we have selections, not elections anyway. It'll be interesting to me to see who they put forward uh, on both sides, the Republican and the Democrat. I think it's going to be quite the circus, especially with Trump running and most likely DeSantis and, uh, you know, Haley and all these others. Um but it's all an, it's all a sideshow. It's it's all predetermined in my view, uh, and folks can read the chapter in Volume Two, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume Two, to 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 see how I back up that claim. Um, and again, uh, for those of you that are new to the podcast, uh, spiritoftheantichrist.org is a good website to go to to learn more about those two books, spiritoftheantichrist.org. Well, Randy, thanks as always. Uh, real quick, what are you watching or what should we be watching for next week? I mean, any anything on the horizon that kind of you're focusing on? I think the most pressing things are what the Chinese the Israelis and the Russians do now. It's really hard to sort out what is more pressing right now. Honestly, I'm more worried about the Israelis bombing Iran 
because they're starting to feel the pressure and they're going to do something. Now, Russia is going to begin their attack. That's fine. Sooner or later, it's going to affect us, but I think we'll have a little bit of time. The um, currency seems to be slowing down for a little bit because it can't get people trained. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like flip a quarter. If I flip a quarter, tell you what I think, I'm going to be wrong. But if I wait till next week and tell you, well, that's what I was thinking, then I look like a genius. So I don't know which, which crisis to go with right now. I don't, except for the Israelis and the Russians. Yeah, and and for, for my part, I would say, you know, I'm always looking for that next distraction, that next surprise. Um, and I think we've had a few of those recently with the train derailment, the balloon uh, thing, and, you know, those types of things. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see what the next week holds. Um, in the meantime, uh, thanks for joining us again this week, uh, Randy. Look forward to talking to you again next week. And to our listeners, um, I know it had been a few days since we posted a podcast. That's just because of my travel schedule. But in my defense, we did post seven podcasts over the weekend last weekend from our conference in Claremont, Florida, which was a wonderful time. Shout out to the great folks there at Liberty Baptist and uh, Pastor Dwayne. Uh, really had a wonderful time. feel like we've got a, a whole new set of friends there, just a sweet spirit and wonderful worship, and really had a great time there. Uh, another shout out to our good folks at Plum Creek Chapel. Looking forward to a great Lord's Day on Sunday uh, as we continue our series through the book of Acts. And, uh, and then don't forget Prophecy Night coming up next Tuesday Again, Lord willing, uh, assuming there's no nothing preempts it, I'll be there in person for our in in person meeting, and it'll be live streamed, of course, at uh, six fifteen p.m. Mountain Time. It starts at six o'clock for those of you local. Uh, we have uh, fifteen minutes of praise and worship, and then I start speaking at about six fifteen. So yeah, lots coming up. Uh, pray, uh, covet your prayers uh, for my family and I. Uh, you know, there are always attacks. The devil likes to attack and personally uh, criticize. And uh, I know I've said this a lot lately, uh, but I I feel so guilty. We we've really we've reached a new threshold over the last couple of years by God's grace with doors opening and uh, the uh, the the reach of these books that uh, have just you know gone viral almost. It seems like, and so it's just new territory for me and I, and I get uncomfortable not being able to respond to emails. And so I think probably the professional thing uh, from people that have been doing this a lot longer than I have would say, hey, don't bring that up on the air. People don't want to hear about that. Just ignore them all. Well, I have trouble doing that. And my email checklist now is up to 70 <laughs> flagged emails that I need to respond to. And I'm hoping over the weekend I can get some of those. I finally uh, had someone send an email response at least to to all of them saying, hey, we got your email, and 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 Dr. Hickson is inundated with emails, right? He'll respond when he can. But anyway, be patient with us. We 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 love um the smallness, as it were, of our ministry, where we really feel like we can have a personal touch with everyone who reaches out by phone at the 1-800 number, my cell phone, email, you name it. Um, but it's just a sheer factor of time. Right now, we are absolutely bombarded uh, with uh, interviews and traveling and, and preparing messages and, uh, oh, by the way, working on my next book, which is also uh, you know time-consuming. So uh, covet your prayers. Don't mean to sound like I'm whining. It's an exciting time, having the time of my life. 
But with that comes some attacks. And so pray for protection and pray for my family, my kids, my grandkid, my granddaughter. And uh, thanks for listening. We will look forward to uh, seeing everybody uh, either in person or on live stream on Sunday. And then we'll post that message uh, Sunday afternoon. So God bless everyone. Have a great rest of the weekend and we'll talk again soon.